Welcome to Come Along for the Ride, a podcast for horse lovers everywhere, a place where we love to bring consciousness to the horse world. I'm your host, Tracy Malone, and this podcast is brought to you from my home in the Sanford Valley in the northwest of Brisbane, Australia. This land I live on is Waka Waka and Turrbal country. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and to pay my respects to their ancestors, past, present and future. And I'd also like to extend that respect to each and every one of you listening. I wanted to drop into your ears today just to say hi and welcome to the new year. I did a wrap up for 2018 and I just wanted to let you know what I've been up to and what we've got to look forward to in 2019. For those wondering, first of all, why there's a bit of background noise today, I wanted to record from my desk where I record most of my intros with the doors open. Um, Usually I close the doors, usually I close the curtain, but I've been uh, flying the globe, as you know, last year and travelled a long way and a real gift that... um, that I learned from that time about myself or reconnected with about myself was my absolute love and need for nature and animals in my life. So today I'm recording this with the doors and windows open and my wonderful man, because we're still on school holidays, was able to take the kids out today to give me some space to get some things done. We have to do this in school holidays. We give each other time. His day was yesterday. I get a couple of hours today and No sooner had the kids gone and I sat down to get in my work, did the cat come and sit on my lap. So the moment there's space, it seems to be filled with something else wanting my attention. So if you hear any purring or movement, that's Matilda, my cat. And my dog, Belle, is uh, no closer, no further away than right next to my chair. So I have to be careful that I don't move or I'll literally roll over her. Anyway, like I said, at the end of last year, As you know, I travelled over to England and then Finland and we had such a beautiful trip in London. We landed first and there was the awe of those enormous and beautiful buildings. And uh, first of all, we took the train into Paddington Station and I had this hilarious moment with the taxi driver, whom I love. They're the best taxi, taxi drivers in the world, in my opinion. I haven't seen them all, but they're the best I've seen so far, the London cabbies. They're amazing. And we pulled up for the cab and we have these huge suitcases and he started his joke for the day. It's like seven o'clock in the morning and he goes, oh, mate, these are a bit heavy. Have you got your mother-in-law in here, have you? And in all of my jet lag, I looked at him and I went, yes, actually, we do. I've brought my mum and her sister and her brother's ashes over to bring them home. So anyway, both the cabbie and I, he didn't know what to say. He stood there and he was silent and he looked at me and he said, In 30 years, I've never been lost for words. And so we had a great laugh and and I said, he was so apologetic and I said, mate, we've both got a great story to tell. From here on in, we'll run this one for a long time, so don't worry about it at all. It was a bit of a fun for our start in London. The first day, uh, once we got over our jet lag that we were there, we were lucky enough to go to the Horse Guard Parade. Um, So we went straight in and made sure we got that done and it was beautiful. It was beautiful to watch these horses who understood their job, who were very proud of their job and um, and really upheld themselves in such a beautiful way amongst all of the people that were staring at them, taking photos of them, wanting to touch them. They're really, really beautiful horses who know their job. So it was nice to see 
Um, I had a bit of a chat to the mounted policewoman who was there and um, about the breed of horses and she said really it's it's a crossbreed, a mixed breed of a lot of the horses and it's about size and temperament. Um, they need big horses with good temperaments, obviously. So, But they didn't have a particular breed that they preferred uh, when it came to choosing their horses as long as they had the size and uh, her own horse was um, looked like a bit of a young horse and it seemed to have a new bit. And I had a bit of a conversation with that horse about how much he hated that bit and he was slobbering and chewing and things. So I just played a bit um, a bit dumb, really, and I just asked her a lot of questions about bits and was it normal that he had this much saliva and was it normal that he chewed this much on a bit and was the bit new and were there different bits she could try and just really planted the seed in a very kind and gentle way to see if I could get the point across that her horse was really not happy with the bit um, that she had chosen or that whomever it was had chosen for him on that day. So I did my bit all the way over in London for horses and uh, then I let him know that that's the best I could do and I had to move on. And uh, we were lucky enough to be staying in Marylebone in um, in London and it was just beautiful. The Christmas lights were out. There were angels, you know, in the streets and the, and the lights above. It was a gorgeous, gorgeous time. And um, we caught up with um, both Tony's family and my own family. And when we went to my family, we did it out at Hampton Court because we did take my mum's ashes. So I met an auntie that I'd never met before. I met two cousins, three cousins that I'd never met before and caught up with a lot of family that I had met before and we had a beautiful day um, and it was out at Hampton Court and before that we went to the Hampton Court Palace and we're walking around the palace and it was beautiful and we're inside and we're doing a lot of things and, and checking out a lot of great great history of London and then we saw a garden through the doors and we walked over to the garden and it opened onto the seven acres of Hampton Court Palace and I walked out and I exhaled and I realised that I'd been there for five days and I hadn't exhaled since the day I got there because I hadn't had two things that were really important to me and that was space and nature. So that was the moment where I really understood myself to another depth. I knew they were important to me, but I really didn't understand how important they were to me. So I frolicked around the gardens there watching the little squirrels and, and just adoring the trees that were hundreds of years old and it was a beautiful time but it gave me so much and and also I was able to to explain that to my partner Tony and the kids had a great time running around and he said well if you love gardens and that's really important to you then we need to go to the Kew Gardens so we did that as well but before we did that on that afternoon we went and we caught up with my family and then we spoke about where it was that I could leave the ashes for my mum somewhere that and her sister and her brother somewhere that they went to a lot in um in their childhood somewhere that they would recognize and and that would be great for them and they decided the wreck ground at Molsey was the place to go so uh we found in the dark of course because the sun goes down at 4 4:30 over there so um, we're having such a lovely time, we forgot um, that we needed a bit of light. So in the dark, we, um, we put our phone torches on and went down and found a beautiful white birch tree in the middle of the wreck and we scattered the ashes around that. And it was just a beautiful moment. And we went past the house that my mum grew up with in her childhood because it was only a few streets away from there. And it was just a beautiful day. And at the end of it, I felt so grounded 
you know, how we search in life for a lot of things. And there was a moment there where I knew something had come back and there was a grounding and a a really important piece of a puzzle that had been put back together. So I felt really good about that. Then we were walking around the streets of Marylebone and I had to remind my man that we were there on holidays as well. So a few days before we'd been to Hampton Court uh, when I was saying, can we please rest because we're on holidays and he was in go, go, go mode, in London mode, full city mode. And uh, so in the end, Oliver got sick and he, um, he was quite sick in a taxi, which was lots of fun for no one. Um, cleaning all of that up and getting everything done. And um, but least of all for Oliver, who was the sick one. So, and the cabbie was beautiful. He's like, oh, I just hope the little fella's okay. And I looked at the cabs. I'm like, these are made for cleaning. Um, they're very well-designed little cars. So anyway, and then after Oliver got better, I got a bursitis. So a bursitis happened in my hip. And um, I'd had sore hip for months now, but it was only very lightly sore. And it was simply all the walking that we were doing. And I was wearing shoes that just didn't have good support in them. And my hip just decided to get really angry. And uh, and I got the rest that I needed, just not in the way that I'd hoped for. So I learned another lesson about manifestation as well, that you always get what you ask for. So be clear about what you want and how you would like to receive it as well. But also, I really got the feeling that it was perfect that it happened there. What I got to understand over those couple of days was that this was something that was probably going to happen anyway because it had been there to a degree for some time. My hip was trying to tell me something really clearly and it put me in the absolute perfect place for this to happen. I live on five acres, 24 k's from the Brisbane city and for me, for that to happen to me here would have been a real problem. I couldn't have got up and fed my horses. I could literally barely walk. I couldn't have done all the things that I need to do here on a daily basis and it would have taken me 20 to 30 minutes. I don't have a good acupuncturist at the moment. Mine went into another type of business and I just couldn't have got the care that I needed here in the way that I did get in London. So I was really glad that London was able to take care of me. I put in, I knew I needed an acupuncturist. I know different injuries and things that happened to me, the different things that I need and I knew this one needed some good needles and acupuncture to, to let things flow and move. And so I put in acupuncturist near me and literally I was in the middle of the medical district and 30 were within three blocks and they're not big blocks in London, they are tiny blocks. And so I got the choice of the lot and I sat there and rang around until I found one and it was 100 metres from my doorstep and I got to go in there and get amazing care and um, I was blessed, completely blessed as to I was put in the perfect place at the perfect time to have to go through this. So even the bad things in life that happen can be done in a really nice and gentle way. The universe can be really kind when it wants to be. So it all turned out well in the end. So we had a beautiful time in London, like I said, catching up with family, and then we flew to Finland. So that's when all the plane delays happened and we learned that uh, sleep's really important as well because we didn't get much with all the delays in flights. We had poor little children having five hours sleep a night and then getting up to, to tackle the snow in Rovaniemi once we flew up there. But we had a beautiful time up there connecting with snow 
which the little ones had not been in before and I hadn't been in before. I had when I was a kid, but not as an adult. So it was just a lot of fun and it was freezing cold. And there were days at minus 16 where we couldn't spend more than a few minutes outside, but it was beautiful. Um, We met Santa, of course, and the kids just have so many beautiful memories from that space. And it was a great time for the four of us just to go up there and connect and and do something that's kind of a once in a lifetime thing to do. And then we flew back down to Helsinki and we spent some time and we stayed kind of in a cabin in the woods there and um, we were down near Porvo. And we again had a really beautiful time. I was amazed there was snow. So I'd put my order in for a white Christmas before we got there. And I was told I probably wouldn't get it because it doesn't snow until January. And lo and behold, the day we flew in, it started snowing the night before. So uh, I got what I asked for. And it's just another world to have when you're from Australia and you have hot hot Christmases every year to be in a white Christmas is beautiful and the Finnish tradition of celebrating Christmas on the night before was lovely too so it's just a beautiful flow that happens lots of connection with family of um, of Sasha and Santa and Sammy's mum Tony's late wife um, their family and just meeting some really beautiful and interesting people and it blew my mind being in somewhere that was completely opposite to Australia and where I've come from. To be somewhere that cold, I marvelled at the nature there and how trees could possibly stand outside and survive. It's like, I've got six layers on and I I can not last very long out there and they've got nothing on and they just go to sleep and it works. So it was really an important trip and I urge everyone to do international travel as much as they can and get as far away from your home as you can to just open your mind because it blew mine to pieces and I was like there's as much there's as many animals here as there would be in Australia but where are they where do they go to hibernate and how on earth can you hibernate and when it's this cold so it was just it was amazing and watching dogs walk on the snow and the ice and hares run across the ice and there was a little red fox that came as well just it was it was mind-blowing so all in all those trips were just expanding really expanding in every way and the best thing it did was I always have gratitude for where it is that I live but I now have even more gratitude for the space that I have around me and for the animals um we have so many birds here in Australia. It's madness how noisy it is here. The colours that are here. Once we flew back in, I'd, I'd in Finland, the colours were dialed down because of winter. So it was a lot of white and grey and we came home and I was quite overwhelmed with the colours. Um, but the lovely thing was when we landed at Brisbane Airport and walked outside and you kind of hit the wall of, of humidity as you come out, which I love. And we walked out into it and I said, I feel like... We're not coming home as such, but we've just landed on our summer holiday at the beach. And so we decided to give ourselves an extra week at home to have a literal holiday. And that's what we did. We swam in the pool, we watched movies, and we just hung out in our own home, in our own space. And it's been a beautiful time. And then we welcomed in 2019. So I always sit down to do my... uh, 2018 2019 planning and it's looking back at 2018 what was important what did I learn what would I do differently and what's changed for me and then moving into 2019 and what I want to get out of that 
but also every single year on New Year's, uh, when I come into the new year, I always wait to see. I'm generally not up at midnight these days. I like to sleep through, but that first moment of 2019, I always find the animal that presents itself to me that gives me the message of 2019. And what I did was I woke up, it was about four o'clock in the morning, jet lag obviously was still there a little bit, um, and I was trying to go back to sleep. And I'm like, why can't I go back to sleep? And this little voice said, it's 2019. And I was like, oh my God. And I was like, okay, 2019, what do you have for me? And I had this vision of me laying down and there was a hand that came down and took my hand and pulled me up. It was like standing up for the new year. And the word purpose kept coming through clearly. And I was like, well, that's a bit fantastic. I want to keep my purpose going this year because it's really important to me. And then I got out of bed and I wandered around and I was thinking while I was in bed, I wonder what animal I would see. And, and the little voice said magpie. And I was like, really? I see magpies every day. Surely that can't be it. So I got up and I wandered outside and lo and behold, there it is, the beautiful magpie flying straight across across my line of vision. So that was my my animal for the year. And as I do each year, I read the book by Scott Alexander King, Animal Dreaming. His work is what I used to use when I did equine therapy. I'd do it outside all the time and make sure that the animals that interacted with us were honoured for the, the voice and the message that they were bringing. And uh, his book is the one that I refer to. And when I referred to this on the morning of the first, it says, if you are drawn, this is a little piece of it. If you're drawn to investigate magpie dreaming, you are being primed for a deepening of purpose and a broadening of perception. Magpie heralds an obligatory confrontation of fears, the reshuffling of thoughts, the review of values and loosening up of everything that has offered sustenance and strength up until now. It means to be ready to walk the path of the heart and find a place of inner freedom, a quest for better understanding of the poise that resides within you and everything of nature. So it's beautiful. And the word balance sits under magpie, but the message it brings is also um, purpose, which I thought was all a bit fantastic. So I'm broadening and strengthening my purpose in 2019. And then on the 1st of January, I was lucky enough to have an Aboriginal healer be in my local area, which I've been looking for for 12 months to do. And um, I really wanted to ground myself to the traditional ways of this earth and this country that I am on. And it's really important to me to connect with that and start bringing those traditions into my life and my family um, to really honour those ways and keep them going and do my part for bringing consciousness to the traditional people of this land. And so I was lucky enough to go to an Aboriginal healer on the first. And boy, was it amazing. I went to a beautiful woman called Malawa and her country and her people are from down in the Flinders Ranges in South Australia. And it was evident to her quickly during the session that the megafauna, which is from her area, was also coming into the session. And never before in any session that she's done has she seen the megafauna grandmother wombat come in. But for me, that was my animal. And I feel very honoured um, and blessed that she is with me on my journey. And she explained to me that the wombat is the animal that is a fierce protector of her own. 
and who can kill many animals. She gets them into her burrow and then she flattens herself out and suffocates them if they are there to try and kill her young or harm her family in some way. And she's also a, a fierce force to be reckoned with, but um, she comes with, and this is what she'd said, Malawi said in, in one of my past lives, she said, you're a leader, but not in a warrior-like way. She said, you're more of a peacekeeper and a mediator of bringing the information to people in a beautiful and kind way that has them following in the direction to uh, the beautiful place that it is that you're taking them. And she talked about that this year for me was more about there's nothing that needs to change here. It's just expansion. Um, keep going with what I'm doing and expand and ground with the beautiful Grandmother Wombat. And she said to me, and don't look down when you look at Grandmother Wombat because this is megafauna, which I hadn't heard of before. And I researched it and it is megafauna. It's massive. And she said, you, you're talking meters, you know, in, when you're looking at this animal. So certainly don't look down when you see her and draw on her um, everything, her dreaming, because she's here to help you and she will walk this path with you. So... 2019 so far has just been beautiful and extraordinary and even though I came to it with a bit of tiredness because we landed on the 30th and it took us four or five days um, to really come back into our own bodies and wake up feeling like we'd, we'd rested that night. We were catching up for a long time because our trip was quite full on and we had a lot to pack into a short period of time. I still feel really blessed about everything that I've got to do here. And God, I hope you can hear that white cockatoo going on outside. Um, the other thing that I saw while I was sitting, speaking of which, uh, on the 1st of January was two beautiful black cockatoos as I was sitting outside with my man drinking our, our water and our um, cup of herbal tea to start the year. Uh, two beautiful black cockatoos flew over and they're an amazing, amazing thing as well. The black cockatoos all have different meanings but uh, the one that we saw is the one that has unlimited potential and the chance to embrace wisdom channeled from one's higher self in the angelic realms which again comes from Scott Alexander King's book Animal Dreaming. So that's what my partner and I are sitting together talking about our new year saw when we were there so thanks cockatoos outside for reminding me of that. And my travel's not over for 2019 yet. To finish off our summer holidays, we're going to drive down to see my dad and uh, take a little, um, a little gift from my mum's homeland to him and my sister who lives down in the same town. And we're driving this time. We haven't driven it before. It's a 14-hour drive. So uh, we're going to do a road trip with the kids, which we think, we hope, we put our intention in. That's going to be loads of fun. But they're down in the Riverina and we're up in Brisbane. They're down in a little place called Leeton or a little offshoot of that called Murramai, actually, the place I grew up in. And we're giving ourselves the treat of on the way home, we're going to stay the night at the Dubbo Zoo, the Western Plains Zoo. And I cannot wait to stay there. When I was younger, I used to really dislike zoos because I didn't have the awareness of what they were there for. All I could see was animals in small cages and small spaces and how were they meant to be free. But then I educated myself that zoos are actually really, really important for the continuation of species, the breeding programs that they have there. There's a lot of good that zoos do. So now I actually love love supporting zoos and we did go to the zoo over in Finland in Helsinki 
Um, and unfortunately for us, it was a miserable day. It was bleak and it was grey and it was cold and it was like sleeting, not snowing, not raining. It was just really unpleasant, um, which was unfortunate. We still saw some beautiful big cats and we saw a moose and we saw some monkeys and we saw a few of the native animals to Finland, which was the whole point for me suggesting we go there. But anyway, on the way home, we're going to stay at the Dubbo Zoo and we are going to sleep right in the spot that is right near where the giraffes and their other friends in the paddock um, sleep with them as well. So I'm really excited about getting up close and personal with animals. Everyone says to me, oh, the kids must be so excited to be doing this. Let me tell you, I'm more excited than the kids could ever possibly be. I'm beside myself at getting that close to such extraordinary animals. It is forecast to be 40 degrees on the day we go there, but... We'll drive around in our air-conditioned car and hop out and do what we need to do. But the nights is where the special bits are going to happen because that's when we get to go out and do night tours and feeds and all kinds of wonderful things. So if you want to know, I will let you know how that goes and I'll I'll pop up some pictures on um, the Come Along for the Ride Facebook page as well and Instagram. So if you're following me on there, you'll soon see what it is that we're up to. So back to 2019, here we are. It's a new year and we're ready to go. And I would like to say I've got some incredible interviews that I pre-recorded last year um, ready to come in your direction. Um, we've got Kate Nelligan, we've got Adele Shaw, we've got Ginny Patel, we've got Kathy Mann, we've got Alexa Linton and we've got Emily Cedric coming your way. And uh, let me tell you, there's, there's some in there that will make you go nice and deep. Uh, especially the wonderful Ginny Patel. But I'll be lining up a bunch of new interviews again this year and I've connected with a few of you over uh, email and messenger and I'm so thrilled every time I get a message from someone. So keep them coming and keep telling me who you want to hear from and I keep researching and and asking these people and uh, as long as they say yes, then we're up for an interview. So 2019 is big. As you know, I've been working on something in the background. My company is slowly forming uh, through all of the travel and all of the children being here and that that is life that keeps happening, whether we want it to or not. Um, I will expand on what it is that I'm doing this year and I'm really excited to bring you something that really encompasses everything I love and believe in and about bringing consciousness to the horse world in every way that we can, but also how I'm setting this company up to make the world a better place for horses. That's the exciting part. Everybody wins in this scenario and I'm just so thrilled to be able to bring it to you. So for now, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for coming along for the ride. And here's to an amazing 2019.